time on the saddle, another podcast. Jason Lint is the Olympic cycles giant uh, uh, concept store in t- uh, Cape Town, my new place for a brekkie. I'll see you there at 10 o'clock if you listen to this podcast in the week. That's where I am. And we're joined this week, and it's a special week as well, because we uh, talked to Chris and Raymond. Chris is the business owner of Cycle.com. Uh, Chris Raymond, nice to have both of you here. Chris, this is a very special, special um, a bit of equipment to have for cyclists. Uh, tell us a little bit more about Cycle.com. Uh, Cycle.com was sort of uh, a brainchild that we came up with near the end of last year because cycle theft's becoming a big problem. Sure, yeah. Huge, massive. And we're trying to put things in place to try and deter it. And the more deterrence we can put in place, the less chance the bikes have of getting stolen. So yeah. Cycle.com um, with our, our backers, Dot. it's the same concept that they have for vehicles where they put data dots on vehicles. Um, and we're doing the same for bicycles. Okay. It helps on the insurance side. It helps you to identify your bike easier. It helps the police to identify your bike easier. Mm. Um, and it also logs service plans on bikes as well. So it becomes a little bit of a complete package. Yes. And it's simple. I mean, it really is. Is it as simple as it sounds? A hidden dot somewhere that contains uh, a, a, a means to be able to identify that bicycle? Um, each package that goes on a bike has a unique PIN number okay. identified for each bicycle. Um, there's 3,000 dots that go on a bicycle. So to try and remove all 3,000 <laughs> Good luck. Impossible. Yeah. It's basically like putting glitter on a bike. That's it. Yeesh. Okay, it's pretty invisible. Um, we put it in areas where it's not, you know, it can't be seen. And the yeah. only way you can really pick it up where it is is with a UV light. So yeah. to the average man in the street, you, you're not going to notice no. it. Is it pricey? Um, we're retailing it at the moment, the package for 250 and we're doing an application, which takes probably about a half an hour to do it correctly. What? Um, this and that's a giveaway. So we're looking at probably a total package of about 350 400 rent tops. I think and it's a one-off. It's oh. an absolute giveaway. Uh, I was talking the other day to somebody about just the, the average cost of um, a ride. And I don't know if I'm totally in the dark as to what it costs to go for a ride uh, and I said to, J- to Jason because Jason's often on your bike there was a ride in Franschuk this past weekend if you weren't uh, a PPA member or a cycling uh, or whatever member do you know what the f- entry fee was? No, Any and, idea? Want to and, go, give it, has it a guess? I, actually I'd be embarrassed to guess because I'd probably be quite far off um, It's over 300 bucks per ride now if you yeah. want to go which is not, mm. it's not bad it's still not bad but what I'm basically saying is like around a golf will cost you a thousand bucks if you want to enter a cycle any kind of cycling event plus minus 300 plus Plus, plus yeah. for 350 bucks to get that kind of peace of mind in terms of yeah. making sure that if you are insuring your bike, the premiums are coming down. You've got this on your bike. It's an extra layer of, of security on your bike. Everyone should be having it. And in actual fact, um, if I was a retailer of bicycles, I would maybe try and include it as mm-hmm. a standard uh, in the package when selling a brand new bike because it just makes sense. We're trying to get a complete package with uh, with uh, the bike shops where they sure. can sell it as an add-on. Yeah. Um, also, we're driving that lights on bikes campaign, you know, to try and get more visibility yes. of cyclists on the road. Yeah. Um, and a little flashing light on the back is like a it's a, it's no, dirty, it's a but it's yeah, it's something that has to have. But the nicest part is um, there's an app on your phone. So if you're owner of a bike with the cycle, the data dot on the cycle dot on, you get an app on your phone. It's got lists all your stuff on it. If your bike is done and you flag it straight away, it pings on on the databases and it flags across the SAPS database. Uh, pedal power um, is quite keen to have it. They can flag it as well once that stuff. I don't get it out there on all the platforms that this bike, this derivative, or this owner is now has been stolen. So the chance of getting it back is a lot better. Yeah, I think it's brilliant. It, it just is. Um, okay, let's talk about availability. Um, do you want to come in there with? with no, I was going to say. So yeah, I mean, if we took a bike to a police station, are they going to be able to look it up themselves? They will. But what what happens is we try and once it pings, they get the pin number. They get the pin number that's on that bike. Um, as well as the complete derivative of the bike. In other words, the owner's name, 
the ba- the make the model the derivative the Zero components that's on the serial yeah, everything yeah, is on yeah. there um, so at least they don't just have this vague thing where um, I've got a white giant and it's and it's it's a twenty nine and that's sure. where it stops yeah so at least they got more info for the. And how to get hold of the original owner and say, hey, hang on a second, you won't believe it. We've uh, mm-hmm. uh, managed to identify your bicycle and get it back. Because, I mean, that must be the problem, I guess, in 99.9% of the times when police, as an example, pick up a bicycle mm-hmm. th- that's obviously been stolen, etc. Is that how do you get, it's impossible, mm-hmm. to get that bike back to its uh, original owner because you've just got no idea who it's been insured through, who mm-hmm. the original owner is. So it's just one less thing to have to worry about in terms of uh, knowing that if your bike does turn up at a police station and you have a it, there is a way to get it back to you um, through through the equipment, and mm-hmm. it's yeah. Uh, so listen, that that's pretty special. I mentioned how do you get a hold of it? You said Cycle Shop's going to have it. Is there currently an online platform where people can go? There and is buy an it? online platform. There's two. There's obviously the Data Dot has it themselves, yeah. and we've also got our website, which is www.cycle.com.co.za. It can be bought online. Um, Again, like anything, we sort of try and encourage the people to buy through bike shops, sure. Um, because as soon as you buy something online, and you've got to now start. Putting do- it becomes like you just toss it and say, well, listen, it's going to become yeah. too much hassle. Yeah. So we'd rather get it done. We'd try and take all that hassle away from doing it yourself and yes. we do it for you. I think and it's brilliant. all you would have is on your phone, you'd have all your details of it. I think this is brilliant. It's a must-have. Cycling community, if you haven't got this yet, go and check them out, please. Uh, cycle.com and, uh, and and just make sure you can take one more step in the uh, uh, prevention of your bike. Uh, it's, it's just kind of a peace of mind if anything does happen to your bike, it's protected. I want to bring uh, another member to uh, to this conversation and into this conversation with Jason and I, uh, a man who spends a hell of a lot of time on his bicycle, super cycling fit, uh, cycling nut and uh, all-round great guy, Nick Lamont Hazard. How's it, Ryan? How's it, Jason? <laughs> uh, hey. I, you know, I had a good laugh before Nick walked into the studio because the amount of times we'll go for a ride in the morning and Nick will always be five minutes late. But I think that's his warm-up. He kind of arrives late so that he can just sort of sprint and catch everybody. If you're familiar with Strava, the best way to get a Strava com when you're riding with a group of people is to arrive a minute or two late. Sure, yeah. 100%. Because whatever happens, no matter how hard they go, if you can hang on, you've got five minutes in the pocket. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Nick, when did the cycling bike for you? Do you remember your first bicycle? Was it in school? Was it after school? When, when did you get your first bike? Um, first bike was probably ugh, much like anyone else, I think, in yeah. sort of maybe five or six. Um, my dad is a, Jason knows him rather well, um, is a cycling fundy. He loves these sort of ultra endurance things. But, um, you know, for me, I guess at the age of five or six, just, just looking at, you know, the Argus cycle to the Cape Town cycle to yeah. um, route, that was obviously a, a huge distance and, and, and quite inspiring and seeing all these people embarking on, on that big uh, big race, big ride. Um, but for me, actually, the bug bit when early on, and actually, I think it was uh, chatting with uh, Jason's dad, Alf. My dad bought what I think at that stage was Muddy Fox. Um, it was one of the early mountain bike brands, fully rigid, steel frame uh, bikes. <clears throat> I must have been in uh, grade eight, you know, 10, between 10 and 12 years old, I suppose. And my brother and I. Um, got onto these these things that allowed you with fatter tires and, and yeah. you know lots of gears. They allowed you to go up uh, things that we just you wouldn't conceive of on a on a road bike. And um, for me, that was I was suddenly like, wow, this thing, this is special. This yeah. is um, something that I can build into my life, my love of the outdoors, and actually go out and not get worried if there's a fence to climb over or um, you know some muddy terrain to get through. And 
Um, we didn't. I think we took them on APRO, Jason. Apologies for <laughs> never. <laughs> I'll go look if that bill still still outstanding. I'm sure, the invoice is still outstanding. But anyway, the point being was that not time of account. Not too much uh, after that. We, my brother and I, um, I saved up all of my pocket money and bought a Bridgestone MB3, and it was the. In fact, I had that bike until I moved to Australia in 2002 and set it up as a touring bike and I loved that bike. Yeah. Fully rigid, steel frame, but could kind of go anywhere if you were willing to sweat. Yeah. <laughs> and now, I mean, with the advent of a, a new bike coming out nearly every second, third oh. month, the technology being where it is, what's your current setup at the moment? Um, it depends. Uh, <laughs> I love uh, that. You're a proper <laughs> cyclist. Who depends trying to race. Who, 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 I'm who up against where, what, what the terrain is. Um, yeah, look, I have a, I have a, um, a proper mountain bike yeah. problem um, in that I have uh, at least three or four mountain bikes at any Perfect. particular time. I've got a beautiful steel frame um, belt drive, um, a bike called Trek Sawyer. It's a sort of collector's item. Mm. I love that thing. At the moment, it's got my son's uh, soft seat on the front of it, so yeah. I can take him with me. Um, yeah, then just uh, I've got a sort of 100 mil travel race bike, um, super lightweight thing. And then I've got a much more fun sort of 120, 130 mil travel bike um, that's got a slightly bigger setup and a giant, bit more aggressive, uh, specialized. Specialized. Yeah. So, okay. so that's the one that he was racing up to Dead Man's Tree. <laughs> that he beat you on your e-bike. e-bike. <laughs> and he says if he switches to his epic or whichever the other one is that then he the will beat bike? me and i was full power um it's a specialized epic it's a yeah i mean it's not it's you know it's a i think you know that level of bike you're looking yeah. at about a around 10 kilos fully built up and yeah. it's a um <laughs> that's Unreal. you know it's a it's a it's almost a sort of a minimum requirement at the moment for a competitive mm-hmm. um, sure. you know 100 mil travel bike and um Look, I think I, I had my ego crushed by the by the e-bike that Jason was on the other day. <laughs> so there's a lot of fighting talk for me about taking on an e-bike. But the reality is that, you know, e-bikes are just, yeah, it's another level. And they are amazing things. I, I, I can't endorse them enough. You know, this is this is the, the amazing thing that I think that we, Jason and I, have been trying to, to advocate. And since the, the, the beginning of the e-bike conversations a year ago when we started this podcast series, um, I, I think a lot of people that haven't been on one are very maybe quick and it's everyone you meet on a trail that's never been on an e-bike. They're quick to kind of look at you and pass some kind of a snide comment like uh, oh, you're cheating! Oh, you're and it's always tongue-in-cheek stuff and it's, it, it's, it's, you can understand what, what the thinking is behind it until you've been on one and you understand more so why they're relevant in this mm. day and age than oh. they've ever been before and why the future is in the in the in in, the, in that category of, of mountain bike you know we joke about him ra- uh, as racing up there but the reality is i'm always 200 meters behind nick but on that ride we yep. had a nice conversation mm. and we were riding together now, how special well, is that so, Cor- correction i'm just gonna correct you i had to recover for about <laughs> five minutes before, <laughs> before i could have a nice conversation with jason he was you know he was happy to discuss anything actually i think but I um, relativity at that point i couldn't even talk so. no. <laughs> but I, I think nick i mean two of the big reasons that, it, that i thought it would be cool to get you here is that uh, you know at the moment you your managing agent for lack of a better title for a lot of athletes so i yeah. think uh, people want to hear about that side of of things and then also you do more adventures than a lot of people that i know i mean we had grant last week who had some cool trips but for you those trips just slot in and you don't need to tell anybody about them so mm-hmm. you know what's one of your bigger adventures besides the numerous epics and races and that that you've done 
Um, so, I mean, Ryan's question about where did it all start for me, um, not long after getting that bike, my dad, um, I'll, ne- I'll never forget it because I had invited a, a lovely young lass to my standard eight um, dance. <laughs> and then my dad prom- promptly turned around and said, um, you know, uh, from, I can't even remember the date, but let's say it was in September. On September the 8th, we're going to Madagascar for five weeks, um, you know, get your bike together. And uh, I had to uninvite my um, prospective uh, girlfriend, who then I'd never spoke to for the next five <laughs> years, I think, um, from the Standard Eight dance. And um, look, sad as I was at the moment to, to lose out on that thing, um, the trip with my dad was was phenomenal. And it opened up <coughs> possibilities around what you can achieve on a bike, um, both in terms of travel um, and in terms of observing culture and observing societies without being... Um, a tourist on a bus or even mm-hmm. a tourist hiring a 4x4 or a whatever and all those options are available to many people but mm-hmm. the purity and the kind of accessibility of riding a bicycle through a community and we rode for five weeks I mean my dad I think literally booked a flight into Antananarivo I was 13 um, and a flight out and said here's the um, guidebook um, and this is pre-GPS obviously here's the guidebook tell us where we're going and it was you know, it's such an amazing um, opportunity to just go, well, you know, I think we can do 60 or 70 Ks on, you know, from this road, this town to this town or whatever it is. And then you've got to factor in the fact that there was a tropical rainstorm every, you know, at lunchtime every day. And then there was the fact that there was 15 huge rolling hills between, you know, this town and that town that don't feature on the map and that from a distance you don't pick up. So, you know, Grant is a good friend of, mutual friend of, of both Jason and mine. And, um Grant's done it sort of far more recently than I have where I think that that thrill of not really knowing how it's going to unfold, um, packing for every eventuality and then remember, you know, stuff happens on the trip that you just can't factor in and you've suddenly got to, you know, I remember in Madagascar blowing the sidewall on a canvas tire because that's what we used in those days, um, canvas sidewall tire. And I was sort of scratching my head and going, geez, you know, how are we going to get out of this one, Dad? And my dad said, well... He cut a piece of the canvas off the panniers that we had on our bike and with a pen knife that if you don't know what that little eyelet in the little sharp thing at the end of the on the on the back side of a pen knife is for, mm. it's for stitching through rubber apparently. And with dental floss and um, this thing we patched the inside of the tire. You know, put some more tubes on and we were p- fixing punctures um, and we were riding tubed bikes at that stage um, and away we went and in fact I brought that bike back and rode it for another two or three years with the sidewall stitched with canvas from the inside of my pannier um, and those I mean that's just you know at the time you're scratching your head and you're going just you know how are we going to get out of this one mm. and years later that's to me that's the substance of those types of rides mm. they just uh, you know you fall back on these tiny little details um, of, of people or of like, overcoming an obstacle and that's what sits with you for for years afterwards and um, for me that's the major attraction it's mm. it's the kind of the unknown you know the fact that you've, you've got a route you think it's going to go this way and the moment you start pedaling mm. it doesn't <laughs> is there anything on that on the list of things that you'd like to do that's out there at the moment that you kind of go well i got my eyes on this because it's just it's n- not many people are doing it it's out there and it can be done and i'd like to do it um i'm not sure that there's a lot that can't um, or that hasn't been done on a, sure. on a bike. Yeah. Um, I still have a desire to ride across Africa. Oh. Um, I don't know exactly how I can fit that in with a young child and a, and yeah. a wife and 
Is it the oh, same when, grant? When you manage to fit it yeah. in, I'll fit it in with you. Okay, <laughs> is, is that a same, deal? Is the same grant you're referring to that we know that's just done Cairo? Yes. Hank, yeah, the same. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, my dad's done that. My dad's ridden yeah. Cairo to Cape Town. <laughs> um, my dad's ridden from Perth Amazing. to Sydney. Jeez, um, that's also crazy. That's probably a, d- more dangerous. And, and your brother, than Cairo to Cape Town. your brother's ridden the U.S. Canada border and the U.S. Mexico border. Um, I rode around Mexico with my dad, so we didn't do yeah. the U.S. Mexico border, but we rode um, from um, we rode from Mexico City right through the Chiapas all the way into Guatemala, Belize, and then right through the Mexican Panhandle and back up to Mexico yeah. City again. You are very dedicated to cycling. I'll tell you something. <laughs> you know where they'd find me in Mexico, Jason. You know where you and I'd be. We'd make it to the first town with our bikes, and we had to get some some breros and tobolsa tequila, and we'd phone home to say we are dying on the mountains. These passes are killing us. Exactly. Meanwhile. Exactly, uh, yeah. and then and then just on the other side of adventuring, your best place in Cape Epic's been seventeenth. Uh, I think yeah. we're seventeenth <laughs> overall. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it doesn't just sightsee as well. Eh? <laughs> and you're obviously training for the upcoming Epic as well. No, not you're this not, year. No, I'm actually this. Um, so I've done eleven Cape Epics, and I'm uh, yeah calling a little a little time out. I'm putting a little pause pause button on that one. Um, I have a number of athletes who yes. who, who are riding. Um, and it's actually really exciting to sort of from a from a management perspective yeah. to try and get you know all the high performance criteria and all the sort of yes. uh, things that it takes for a high performance athlete to mm-hmm. achieve at the top level, particularly in an eight day stage race. It's it's very satisfying to sort of try and tee up your your your, your best possible plan of attack, sure. I mean, you know, your strategy and all of the support that goes with it, and then. You know, again, like traveling, invariably it goes wrong, yeah. and it can go wrong on day one and on the first obstacle, as you, as everybody knows. But it must be rewarding, and I think you know, if you look at road cycling, you've got a Doug Ryder who's come from a background of cycling, and he's now a team principal of a successful road team. You look at your background of a successful career of cycling, you're now looking after athletes in the same. So there must be a level of where those athletes are looking at you, going, "Well, you've been here before. You, you can help me out here and guide me in terms of what I need." And those needs, you're kind of thinking ahead of the time, going, "I know exactly." what you're going to need here when you're dealing with sponsors when you're dealing with corporates you know exactly what's going through those athletes minds and the kind of questions they'd be asking yeah absolutely i mean and it's not false modesty modesty to say that i've, I've never been a professional athlete um but in terms of um, troubleshooting what it is that a professional athlete needs sure. absolutely i can yeah. put myself there i mean i'm a I, i'm a recreational cyclist really um and an amateur and have always been an amateur sure. and i i but i do there's so much satisfaction in rubbing shoulders with somebody who's getting paid to do it and maybe even beating them <laughs> <laughs> in a Cape Epic and going, yeah, I'm going back to and, my day job. He may, <laughs> may or may not have been on a podium of Tour de France. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we actually, yeah, we had a fantastic run at the Epic last year. I um, racing in the Masters category again, which is obviously an age group category. Um, and we uh, we chased down George Hincapi and Christian van der Felder oh, um, and actually took them on the line after 120 k's of, of racing um, that is goosebumps yeah. Yeah. wow yeah, i mean having watched you know as a 15 year old yeah, well in fact he's the same age as me so yeah, yeah. having watched him maybe as a 20 year old 25 year old um having watched george hincapie and lance armstrong you know not all the 
all the sort of controversy notwithstanding, sure. those were icons of the yeah. sport in, in, in a certain exactly. era. And, and he's by no means an old, uh, you know, he's no, by, by no means a slouch. I mean, George Hinkap no, is in move. fine condition <laughs> and he can move. I mean, the, the, the guy stays fit 24-7, 365, and he certainly wasn't here to come, to come for a haircut. He was here to, to race. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that, what a moment that is. Um, Nick, we'd, we'd love to chat to you again closer towards um, Epic Time as well. Talk a little bit about the riders and bring some of those riders that you represent in as well so we can hear about it. We know that often it's it's a tough game trying to uh, get certain athletes' sponsorships renewed, etc., and to try and show a bit of value for those corporates. And on this podcast, we certainly would like it to be an open platform for you to be able to bring those athletes in and come and talk uh, about those corporates that are investing in in the future of mountain biking, the future of uh, of cycling in general, mm-hmm. uh, because it's, it's platforms like this that are going to encourage more corporates to get involved and spend their money and put their money behind top athletes. This is how we're going to find the next uh, whatever. You fill in the, the, in, the, in, the, in the space that you need. But certainly this is a platform and an open door for you to come back and join us closer towards Epic in a couple of months' time. Thanks very much, Jana. It's, uh, um, we're, we're working on a couple of um, really interesting projects ahead of Epic. Stunning. And, uh, um, yeah, we've got a European team that we kind of – it's their first Epic as a, as a pro team. And so, you know, they're, they're running around like headless chickens at the moment. Um, but having um, Ariane Luti, who I look after, in the team and then obviously Jeez. my experience, um, they're going to come and land with a – It'll be a much softer landing than I think a lot of the other pro teams coming for the first time. Nick Lamont, ladies and gents, uh, and our special guests, Chris and Ray. Uh, listen, uh, thanks so much, guys. All those details yes, will be you. in this thanks podcast. If you're listening to this, it'll be around this, all the hyperlinks to click on and then go and support these guys on social media as well. Jason and I, after uh, listening to, uh, to, to, to just to Nick's conversation, I'm inspired to get out on an e-bike now and go and, and beat the hell out of a trail for 45 minutes. No, I already did a road ride this morning. <laughs> <laughs> We've got some more special guests coming up. We've got Aaron Borrell will be with us. He's confirmed for the next podcast, ladies and gents. Uh, interesting uh, life that he has he's also a writer uh, enthusiast uh, in terms of cycling we'll, he'll be on the next time in the saddle weather wise for the next couple of days windy in the mother city if you're planning on a cycle uh, this weekend uh, Friday's probably the worst day to go out Saturday beautiful clear skies 28 degrees not a breath of wind Sunday the wind is back I'm afraid Johannesburg partly cloudy conditions you're looking at thunder showers Friday Saturday otherwise clear skies chilly start if you want to get up but get out uh, early Saturday and Sunday in Joburg Durban also partly cloudy conditions on and off rain. Uh, but nothing should take you away from the road and your bike. Enjoy.